message. It's National Savings uh, Awareness um, well, National Sa- Savings Month, uh, of, of course, uh, every year in July. Uh, and the objectives of the campaign are to promote debate around key aspects of savings. So uh, this is a National Savings Awareness Campaign by SASE. And uh, we like to talk savings. We like to talk investments. We like to talk about how you can get yourself out of debt. And we like to talk about how we can make uh, smart financial decisions. So uh, as a result, we have financial blogger Brendan Dale who joins us every Saturday morning around about this time uh, to talk exactly uh, about uh, all those issues and give us some real tips in terms of how to go about realizing um, these objectives we have in terms and goals uh, in relation to saving, investment, etc, etc. So, you know, we, we have a situation in Cape Town and I think throughout the country where we don't have good public transport infrastructure. Um, I can't get into a train at one o'clock in the morning and be safe and get to work. <laughs> uh, I, I just wouldn't do that. Uh, firstly, there is nothing available. Um, but you have people on a daily basis who need to struggle with the likes of Metro Rail. Then you have the taxis. Then you have the buses. We have the uh, My City N2 expressway between Mitchell's Play and Kailicha and Cape Town. That's still suspended. So it's difficult um, to get reliable public transport here in Cape Town. So um, many families have to invest in having two cars. But what are the risks and benefits of owning two vehicles to help us answer these questions this question i'm joined by brendan brendan good morning thank you so much for joining me morning jeremy yes always a pleasure so firstly why did you decide to talk about the risks and benefits of owning two vehicles well the thing is we've we've got two vehicles in between my partner and i and it's it's obviously expensive you know all all vehicle-related costs are, are doubled up. And I'm, I'm just curious to start figuring out how, how does one actually do the calculations to work out whether you can, whether it's financially better to have one car and what are all the considerations to take into effect? Because, they, you know, it won't work for everyone to have one car only, but, but maybe financially it could, could make sense and it might be worth the, the sacrifices. And it, it's quite a complex sort of topic because everyone's situation is so different. Hmm. What would, and I don't want to call it advice, but what would you suggest um, to people who find themselves in a situation where having two cars is not a luxury or a status symbol, but an absolute necessity? How would you go about talking to them about evaluating whether or not it is worthwhile uh, the risks, uh, the financial risks first, and then if you can just talk us through what, what the benefits would be. I think if, if there's a family, well, I mean, if, if you absolutely have to have two cars, then, then there's not much you can do about it. And, and you kind of need to just assess your, your lifestyle. Is it the kids? Is it like... You just need to question why. Why do you have to? Is it just for convenience, or or does one like you know does the husband work in Somerset West and the wife works in town and the kids need to be taken to school? And it's, I mean, there are situations where it's just you won't 
be able to manage with one car. But so if you if you have to have two cars, then I then I think it's a question of just looking at what those costs are and what kind of cars you drive and and sort of looking for ways there to save a bit of money because it, running two cars or essentially buying two cars is super expensive and the insurance, the fuel, the maintenance, the everything that goes with it is is a lot of money. You you say that you you particularly interested in how to do the financial calculations to um, really answer the question of what the risks and benefits are of of owning two vehicles. What did your research find in terms of financial the the, the financial calculation? What what should we take into account, and how should this be done? Okay, well, I've only, I've only started this. I actually put out a thing on Twitter the other day asking people to send me their spreadsheets and calculations if they've done it themselves. So I've had one or two responses, which I'm busy going through. But it's, one of the interesting aspects is that if you, if you could sell one car and you've only got one, one car in the family, obviously one person will be inconvenienced. And the question then is if, if that person has to, so let's say, for example, I'm being inconvenienced and I have to go to a meeting and the only way I can get there is to use Uber, the question then is, is that a split cost between between both parties? You know, like, do we, how do we then actually manage the money? Does one person pay for everything or do we split all transport costs in the family? And and that's, yeah, that's the one aspect which, which some people are saying you actually you downsize to one car and then you split all costs. So if, if one person is inconvenienced and needs to take public transport, you split that cost because it's, you know, as a family or as a unit, you're now working together to to have one. And um, the the other thing, obviously the, the inputs to your whole calculation are just all the expenses, but then, it, then it's, the tricky part is coming up with the sort of convenience factor and, do you get a bicycle or a motorbike or walk? And, and you, you can't really put a, a cost value to that. Mm. And that's where it gets tricky now because now, you know, if you're spending an extra half an hour to get to work or even an extra hour in the morning as as you get dropped off by work or you have to get into a, a sort of lift club, then that, that's, that sort of eats into your time. And... It's it's hard to to really calculate now. Is that worth it or isn't it? Right, right. Uh, Brendan, let's just look. Look, carpooling is is an option, hmm. um, but not everybody goes in the same direction all the time. So yeah. that, that that kind of makes it tricky to decide whether carpooling. Um, is is kind of the best solution, but but when we talk about and and we've got we've got Uber, we've got Taxify, we've got uh, there's another one I just can't get to the name now. Um, more and more cost effective options in terms of getting yourself around um, to where you need to be. They are becoming cheaper. They are. They are, and it's you know if you. You can even use normal, you know, normal minibus taxis. I've, I've tried that because I, I work quite quite close by, and it, there are ways to get around. I mean, if you if you think about it, if you're in a situation where you say, you know, we absolutely have to have a car, 
if you think of the literally millions of people who don't have a car, you can get around. It's just it's just a bit inconvenient. And, yeah, look, and you know, the taxi fares and stuff have made it easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, it's 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 also. I, I think it's 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 trickier for us uh, in South Africa. I, I think it's a wonderful solution if you're living um, in Europe somewhere because mm. there's 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 that culture. But but the kind of of unique challenges we face in terms of transport infrastructure, um, there's also the safety aspect that one would have to take into consideration when you and 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 how do you put a price to that? You you don't there's just no price that you can put to your safety when doing these calculations. Yeah, uh, that that's where it becomes tricky because uh, you know I could I could very easily cycle to work. I work about four kilometers away. There's a, a gym at the office block where you could shower. But firstly, I, I don't want to cycle down main road and like through OBS and Woodstock and stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to be going there. So, but yeah, I don't know how you put a price to that. Yeah. Just, yeah. You, you've got to, it works for some couples and for some circumstances. And I think a lot of it depends on how close you live by to where you work. Mm. Or if you even work at home, you know, or if one, just one person in the partnership works and, and one staying at home, those things would definitely make it easier. Okay. Uh, my guest is Brendan Dale. He joins us uh, on the show uh, regularly on a Saturday morning. And uh, Brendan is a financial blogger. And this morning we are talking about the risks and benefits of owning two vehicles. And Brendan has been uh, asking for uh input in terms of trying to understand and w- doing the financial calculations and, and trying to get an idea of what are some of the considerations that uh, we we make before uh, we decide to buy a second vehicle. And uh, Brendan, just in closing, um, what is your advice to people sitting in a situation this morning where a second car is probably a necessity, and uh, the finances are a little tight. Yeah, well, that's a very common situation, and uh, my advice is really buy something that is very affordable. Don't don't be buying the flashy car to look good outside your kid's school. Just buy a normal car, a second-hand car. You know, like buy something that you can actually afford, because you you don't want to be stuck with with like three, four thousand rand monthly payments. And then on top of that, another thousand or two for insurance. And then on top of that, your fuel. And because that's that's just like a disaster. So to really shop around, really question question yourself when buying. It's like, is this is this something I need? Will this model be sufficient for me? Because it, we we get quite emotional when it comes to cars, and we just want we want the nice car because we sort of feel that we deserve the comfort and the luxury. But if, if your finances are tough, then unfortunately you have to make these tough decisions. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, before I let you go, I am a 52-week savings challenge fan. I'm becoming a bit of a fanatic. Um, I see that it's gaining traction. People are, are, are kind of uh, they're buying into the idea of uh, saving over a 52-week period. I'm, I've, and, and maybe I'm being naughty, um, but I'm already thinking of 
the savings and what I will do with it come December because I think um, I will do my darndest <laughs> to make up for the weeks um, that I missed out on before I started the 52-week savings challenge. So just briefly talk us through the 52-week savings challenge again. And uh, I know you send out the email on a weekly basis. I get it like clockwork and I know how much it is I need to save. So quickly <laughs> take us through that. Cool. Um, so the, the theory is very simple. If you, if you save 10 rand in the first week and then 20 rand in the second week and 30 rand in the fourth week, I mean, in the third week, so you're just increasing it by 10 rand each week. If you made those savings contributions, you'd save over 13,000 rand in 52 weeks. And it's, that's just incredible. But um, as I've said before, to me, it just it gets progressively harder, especially when you get in nearer the end of the year or your term whenever you started. So what I've done is I've just taken those same amounts, but I've, I've randomized them a bit so it's each month you're saving plus minus the same amount of money. So you might, I send out an email then every week, so it might be 200 rand this week and then 50 rand next week and then 300 rand. But then I also find that quite fun because you're not totally sure how much it's going to be although I sort of send out reminders along the way. But it's just a, it's just a very simple way to get into a, a habit of saving money weekly. Yeah. And some people prefer doing it monthly, which you can also do. But I, I quite like the actual once a week, I just transfer money from my one account to the other. And it's, it's really become a habit for me. Yeah. And, and I think the important thing, well, one of the important lessons I learned uh, when I started with the 52 week savings challenge is don't go and open a new transactional account because you don't want to pay new bank fees. Just uh, transfer it to an existing account. Yes. No, no, definitely. You don't want to overcomplicate life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So listen, it's working well. Um, and, and, you know, the reason I enjoy it on a weekly basis as well, because it helps you to start a good habit um, sooner. <laughs> so it takes, what, like 30, 32 days to get into the habit of doing something good or bad. Uh, so, I, uh, yeah, it, 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 it just, it helps. It helps uh, you kind of reach your goal, your savings goal, uh, much sooner. Brendan, uh, before I let you go, how do people contact you and uh, how do they sign up for 52 Weeks Savings Challenge? Cool. Uh, the, the easiest is always just going straight to my blog. So it's takechargeofyourmoney.blog. And if you just Google that term, take charge of your money, you'll find me. And then on the blog, um, I can't think offhand if it's on the front page or if you just need to do a little search for it. But you just search for 52 weeks and, and you'll, find, you'll find the post right there. And the easiest to contact me is also just via the site. Or once you're there, you can find I've got Facebook and Twitter and all sorts. Yeah, what is your Twitter handle? It's your money blog, but with the little underscores between each word. Okay, at your money blog with little underscores between each word. Go and follow Brendan. Go and check out his site. It's uh, takechargeofyourmoney.org. Brendan, thank you so much, uh, as usual, for joining us on a Saturday morning.